Hi, and welcome to the inaugural Pensions in 10 with me, David Brooks, um, Head of Policy at Broadstone, and my colleague, Simon Q, who is our Head of Market Engagement. Hi, Simon. Hi, Dave. Good to be here. Great to have you. So this is new, both a little bit scared, um, but the idea of this video is to give you a brief rundown of the biggest pension stories of the past seven days that we've spotted. And we've only got 10 minutes of your time to do it. So this week we give a nod to the Matchin House speech consultations that um, closed last week, changes at the Labour's shadow pensions team and an uncertain future for the triple lock, perhaps. We'll also have a fun finish from Simon if he's found one and if you've got time. So we'll see. Also, the name may change. So, Dave, you mentioned the uh, the Mansion House speech or the Mansion House compact, as it was, uh, and the various consultations. So I'm going to give you a challenge. Can you run through everything that's closed in under a minute? Probably not. OK, so there's loads in here. So VFM, so Valley for Members. Um, there's an extension to the regulations there, uh, basically saying that schemes have to compare themselves to other schemes, either improve or wind up. Um, and also there's some liquids and private equity stuff thrown in there for fun. We had the CDC um, cons uh, consultation was closed and there's a promise of some regulations in the autumn and they will allow for multi-employer CDC schemes and even a decumulation CDC scheme. So we'll see about that. There was DC decumulation for DC scheme. So if you're an occupational DC scheme, then you will need to provide some kind of default retirement pathway for your members somehow. Um, trusteeship, uh, there was a call for evidence into the skills of trustees and their capabilities. This was really a very unsubtle way of saying to trustees, if you were better trained, would you invest in private equity? So we'll see how that goes, but some interesting stuff might come out of that. Super funds, there was a response to a consultation around the authorization regimes. So that's been on the on the back burner for years um, and so that's come through so we'll finally have some regulations for those people who want to provide the super fund although they may have been overtaken slightly by TPR super fund guidance which was updated the other day DB options which has taken up a lot of time for a lot of actuaries over their summer holidays a call for evidence with all sorts of ideas about what to do with surpluses and things to do about public sector consolidators loads of big stuff again with that subtext running through that you've got to invest in productive assets and private equity and the liquids DC small pots. So this is the end of proliferation of small pots. This has been a massive problem since 2012 that people have lots of jobs, lots of small pots kicking around everywhere. So what are we going to do with all those small pots? How can we turn them into one larger pot for people? Um, so yeah, loads of stuff going on there. And we also shouldn't forget LGPS pooling with the steer to liquids. The Imagine House Compact. So nine pension providers have said they would allocate 5% to defaults in liquids by 2030. And breathe. So well done. Thank you. I think that was more than a minute, to be fair. But even so, yeah. so, I mean, to cram all of that in and to say decumulation as many times as you did without tripping up. I mean, that's very well done. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's a massive amount of stuff, though. It really is um, incredible. And I think the next date for everyone's diary is the 22nd of November, because that's going to be the autumn statement. And Jeremy Hunt will give us his thoughts on all of those things. Any of them catch your eye, Simon, in particular? Um, it's still such a blur for me, Dave. Um, I'm uh, I'm going to take my time and, and pick my battles, I think. <laughs> OK, well, we'll keep an eye on those and update you all as they develop. Oh, and also, of course, because we now know the date of the autumn statement, we're going to be hitting rumour season very soon. So we'll keep you updated on any rumours that come through, especially in the Sunday papers. 
Okay, next up, we're going to look at changes in the uh, Shadow Pensions team. Um, and Simon, given your role that you had as a regulator back in the day, looking after government relations, what's your take on this? Thanks, Dave. Yeah, it was quite a while ago now, but um, politics uh, doesn't really change a great deal, despite who was it who said a, a week is a long time in politics? Um, I'll Google but, it. Yeah, absolutely, we should do. But Keir Starmer has shuffled the deck. Um, so we have a new Shadow Work and Pensions Secretary, that's Liz Kendall. We also now have a new Shadow Pensions Minister, so Matt Rodder stepped away and Jill Furness has come in. Um, Jill's looking back at her uh, career so far in Westminster, had the transport brief, but also was um, on the Women and Equalities Committee and I believe was uh, Shadow Minister for uh, women and equalities for, for a short period of time. So I have a feeling that that may, may come into play. Mustn't forget the Lib Dems, of course. They've got an increasingly strong voice, um, a few by-election wins, uh, certainly becoming part of the debate. Uh, so Wendy Chamberlain is the spokesperson for the Lib Dems. Be interesting to see what, what they're saying in the run-up to, uh, to the election, what views they will have on, on pensions. And of course, we don't know what's going to happen in the election. Uh, despite the polls giving one story, uh, we know that the polls can be wonderfully unreliable. So we don't know if uh, who's going to be forming the next government, whether it's going to be one party, whether it's going to be a coalition. So I'm sure uh, over the coming weeks and months, everything will become an awful lot clearer. Yeah, we're moving into conference season as well. So that's going to be a great time to find out what people are thinking about pensions. So we'll have to make sure we're all over, all over those announcements. Absolutely. And we can um, pass that on to our viewers and listeners, depending whether it's this or, or it's a broadcast. So absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. So, Dave, the uh, the horny old topic of the triple lock has been in the press again last week and, and over the weekend. Do you want to talk us through what's been happening? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, last week it was becoming clear that average weekly earnings is the measure that's going to kick in in April next year when the state pension increases and with 8% being the figure. So this is causes no end of controversy with inflation falling below that amount. And so um, pensioners do get the, the benefit of the higher of uh, inflation, average weekly earnings or two and a half percent. So that's kicking in again. Um, it is a hot topic amongst pensions professionals because of the, the controversy around its cost um, on taxpayers and people that are, are paying money into the system now. Um, but notably, in addition, the PM, when asked about this over the weekend, was suitably vague on the continuance of the triple lock um, and whether it would form part of the Co Conservative manifesto. I mean, it's I don't know what you think, Simon, but it would be a brave, a brave politician to get rid of it, even though um, I suspect the majority of pensions professionals think it's it's unfair on those paying tax now. I don't know what your your take is. Yeah, it's it's a, a tricky one for for any of the parties. Um, mm. It's hugely costly, as you say. Did I see eleven billion a year is is what it it's currently costing the triple lock or, or thereabouts? Yeah. Um, so it's a huge amount of money. When we're in a cost of living crisis, you would think it would be fair game. Uh, but of course, the people that are benefiting from this are also voters uh, and you pull it uh, or, or give an indication that it might be pulled, uh, then you risk losing that vote. Uh, and that goes, as I say, for all of the parties. So it's it's a really thorny topic. Yeah, I think it was always a fear when George Osborne introduced it, that introducing it was one thing, getting rid of it was always going to be another. We shall see. Absolutely, sir. Okay, and so finally, Simon, what have you spotted 
with a tangential pensions angle for us to laugh at this week? Um, it's a really rather odd one. We've seen lots of particularly peculiar suggestions for pensions policy uh, over the years. Uh, but this one, I think, really does take the biscuit. Um, someone on Twitter was suggesting that the the, the noise around national service and, and perhaps looking at bringing it back in and, and quite how serious that discussion is, I've no idea, um, is directly in relation to the UK pensions problem. Um, and this person, um, assuming it's a real person and not AI, suggests that the idea is to kill as many people as possible. Of course, the major hole in that is um, national service for anyone to be killed really there needs to be some significant war and two the people that would be called up for national service probably aren't in a dv pension so it wouldn't make the blindest bit of difference so it's ludicrous in so many ways um so that's that's my slightly unfunny funny for this week <laughs> yes there's a definitely a dark angle uh to, to that one but it's uh actually you maybe think we should probably try to do most bizarre pensions policies in history well we'll look into that I think we should definitely look into that. Good idea. <laughs> OK, well, let's just hope there's a national service. All right. OK, thanks for that, Simon. Thank you to everyone watching um, wherever you are, whatever time of day it is. Um, we welcome any feedback in the comments there below. Um, and it'd be wonderful if you join us again next week. Thank you. Thank you.